You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Paranormal Pets is brought to you by Petco.com. Petco is a leading specialty retailer of premium pet food supplies and services, offering more than 10,000 high-quality pet-related products. Enter the code PARANORMAL10, PARANORMAL, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum at Petco.com. It's 11 o'clock at night. It's dark. You're sitting in front of the mirror getting ready for bed. There's nobody else in the house. You see something move in the corner of your eye. You glance to your right, but you don't see anything. Another minute goes by, and you think you see movement again. So you slowly turn to your left, but again, the room is empty. You turn back around, and staring you face to face in the mirror is a cat. You jump back because you don't have a cat and there's no cat in the room. But there he is, staring at you in the mirror. Welcome to Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week, we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Now, step into the supernatural world of pets with your Paranormal Pets ghostly host, our ghost host. Hello, and welcome to Paranormal Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. I am your host, Brandy Stark. And on this particular episode, we're actually going to take a look at felines and the supernatural. Uh, this is a continuation of my research on canines and the liminal state uh, that I shared with you all a few months ago. This time, I wanted to continue my study and ultimately started researching what I was thinking would be uh, cats and ghosts, cats as ghosts, etc., since that's what my topics oftentimes turn to. But what I discovered very early on is that cats and dogs don't even represent 100% the same thing uh, when it comes to the supernatural state, and I was finding a lot more dog stories than I was cat stories dealing with ghosts. So this paper actually links cats to sorcery, witchcraft, and other such things as seen through the symbolic nature of the feline. So I am looking forward to sharing this research with you, and uh, I hope you feel the same. We'll actually get started on this right after these commercial messages. Time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. Hey boy, how you doing? <coughs> what am I doing? <coughs> I'm creating your own life book. It's a website that's just for you. Remember that picture I took of you pulling off Lisa's bathing suit? <coughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. I'm putting that awesome picture on your Lifebook page. We'll see what comments we get. And that great video we took of you standing on the table with your head inside the turkey? That's definitely going on there. <coughs> no, it's easy. It only took me two minutes to set up your page. I chose a great theme, and I can connect with millions of other pet parents. I can also create a memorial Lifebook. <coughs> no, not for Grandma. 
but we can make one for Fluffy, remember her? And we can even put links to our favorite pet charity. And friends can make donations. People can create their own life book for their pets by going to PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com or they can sign up on the Pet Life Radio homepage. <coughs> Where's Lisa? She's outside by the pool. Hey, come back here! <coughs> create your own life book for your pet. PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com Hello! I'm Deborah Wolf, and I'm inviting you to my animal party on Pet Life Radio. My pet experts will be coming to the party to answer your pet questions, and they'll also be sharing their favorite stories and messages with us, but I'll be asking them some tough questions. We'll get their opinions on the hot-button topics like the pit bull ban, pet food, vaccines, religion, politics, and animals, cat decline, and the latest news, whatever's turning the animal world on its head, we'll be talking about at the animal party. This party's got bite. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host. And welcome back to Paranormal Pets. I'm just going to give you all a little bit of a heads up. I will have some pug noises in the background, which is actually fairly common with this show. It's a little bit later at night. My pugs are sleeping. Uh, One is hot, one is snoring, and the others are waiting for me to go to bed. So, typical pugs. But to begin the topic of discussion, we're going to talk about cats in the liminal state, states of sorcery, witchcraft, and death. So, here we go. This paper is one of an ongoing series of research into the role of animals in the liminal state. It is a study that is as old as time, yet remains marginally accepted by modern Western society. As the focus of these papers continues to be the role of the more common animals, mostly household pets, the challenges should be a little less far-reaching. Yet the intricacy of animal lore and human belief retains a fascinating dichotomy. In the prior semester, research fell to the symbolic role of dogs in the liminal. The dog serves as a guide to the other world, a companion to the deceased, and a guardian between the dimensions. The research on dogs and ghosts, dogs as ghosts, and dogs as protector of the living and the dead is quite well documented. The surprise in this research, though, comes with the topic of cats. Though cats have long held human fascination, the documentation for these creatures is harder to pin down. Cats, it seems, are enigmatic creatures that puzzle the liminal state just as much as they do their human companions. It is interesting to note that in nearly every country where cats resided, they were connected to mystical powers. They were placed on both the sides of good and evil, and they listed among their attributes the ability to see spirits, foretell the future by their actions, and control the weather. Much to the fascination of this researcher, cats appear to be aware of the liminal state, observers of it, and derive from it. According to the Dictionary of Superstitions, the cat occupies a central position among animals credited with supernatural powers, and in consequence, cats throughout the world are associated with the wealth of superstitions. Whereas dogs are creatures of less mystery, cats connect to the supernatural divine. Their twofold personalities, both loving and feral, lend them to the role of witchcraft and sorcery more so than their ghostly canine companions. 
Before delving further into this topic, and for the purposes of anthropology, a foundation is needed for study. Psychology is one of the driving forces of the modern world. We seek to find symbolism in the images we see, the art we produce, and the ideas that we dream. One man took these ideas to a new level, C.G. Young, and searching for through human history, its writings and its images, Young determined many things about human nature, or if you prefer, Jung. <laughs> One thing that he noticed is the animals in images, dreams, folklore, and religions often represent instincts, many of which are derived from unconsciousness. The cat fits well within this mythos, as it is the least domesticated of the human household animals. The cat has been domesticated for 4,000 years, which is but a trifle when compared to the domestication of dogs over 10,000 years ago. Cats are more enigmatic than dogs, with a greater attachment to the home. Cats do not seem as interested in serving their humans, unlike the canine that always seems willing to do a master's bidding. Perhaps it is for this reason, when it comes to the cat, symbolism ranges from women's nature to the connectedness with witchcraft. Introduction to Cats The background biology on cats shows that it is part of the larger Philidae family. It is batched in with lions, tigers, pumas, leopards, panthers, bobcats, and other such creatures. The domestic cat, upon which this paper will predominantly focus, is mainly descended from the Egyptian cat. These were likely derived from the North African wildcats, also domestic, and may share links to the Chinese wildcat of Southeast Asia, where house cats were also found. Cats figure predominantly in Egypt, their original home in Western culture, though these ancients accorded veneration to many cultic animals. The Egyptians believed that animals were incarnations of their gods, and so for them it became as natural to embalm a cat, bird, or dog as it was to mummify a rare a family relative. The use of some 40 species of animal cults was gradual, and they likely started from the totem held sacred by the nomadic tribes. Gradually, as the art of statuary developed, the worship of animals was superseded by the worship of its effigy. This eventually developed into the more metaphysical concept of a god represented with animal parts. This horse became the falcon god, Hathor, the cow goddess, Anubis, the dog god, and Bastet, the cat goddess. Behaviorally speaking, the female cat is a maternal creature. She hides her newborns to protect them, particularly from the tomcat who might kill them if they were to be found. As the kittens age, she appears to aid in their education by teaching them to hunt. This translates into human observation as noted by the Hindu description of God as a loving mother cat who removes her kittens from harm's way. Yet cats show a dual nature. In addition to the loving family bonds, the cat can show a cruel tendency to play with their living prey before killing and eating it. In modern culture, this is emulated well through the children's cartoons such as Tom and Jerry. In several episodes, Tom uses and abuses Jerry's in ways that, were they lifelike, would render the cartoon for adults and not children. Cats are noted for their hypnotic stare. They have the ability to lure prey into a state of trance by their slow, deliberate motions and intense stare. For this, they are sometimes linked to serpents, as both possess this rather unique ability to mesmerize, trap, and kill prey. Astrologically speaking, cats do not hold the same dominance as other animals. The lion is a solar creature, which also appears in the stars as the Leo, and governs over July and August, the hottest months of the year. Sacred Animals in Egypt as the role of cats appears to launch from, the, from ancient Egypt, it seems natural to continue the research with this culture. Cats were not the only animals heavily venerated in this part of the world. 
It is clear that sacred animals demanded care throughout this ancient empire. Papyrus scrolls exist indicating the animal pious were rewarded in the afterlife. The deceased could earn favor when appearing before a tribunal of the shades by announcing that he fed the hungry, gave water to the thirsty, and clothes to the naked. It would be significant for the soul to note that I took care of the ibis, the falcon, and the holy cats, and I buried them ritually, anointed with oil and wrapped in cloth. The ancient Egyptians believed that the next world was a continuation of this one, and there was a concerted effort to take items from one world to the next. It was also significant for the living to take care of the deceased, and thus Egyptians mummified all kinds of animals for this purpose. The reason for animal burial included pets buried out of fondness, animals buried as food for deceased humans, animals that were ritually offered to the gods, and sacred animals that were mummified at death. The feline family was well represented in Egypt through both family interactions and divine recognition. Images of household pets appear in paintings and reliefs on tomb walls. The pet seated beneath the master's chair is frequently shown with cats, dogs, and monkeys as favorite household animals. Egyptologists have long known of the cat cult that ran through Egypt, and early digs uncovered mummified domestic cats that first appeared in about 2100 BCE. Known as the Libyan cat and called Mayu by the Egyptians, this creature was imported into Egypt from Greece. Depictions of cats show that this species had orange fur, long ears, long paws, and a waving tail. It was the most common ancestor of the modern-day house cat and held many of the same functions to catch rats and mice. When a cat died of natural causes, Egyptian records reveal that the family went into mourning, shaved off their eyebrows, and watched over the corpse until it was time to be embalmed. Uh, Herodotus notes this practice, though adds that when the family dog died, the family shaved the whole body, including the head. It is interesting to note, however, the notion of cats possessing nine lives came from Egyptian superstitions and exists even today. It was considered sacrilegious to kill a cat in Egypt. One ancient writing records an account of a Roman who accidentally killed a feline. Angry hordes surrounded his home, and he was dragged out by the people. He denied any malicious intent, and despite the intervention of the magistrates who were hastily sent to the scene by the king, the Roman was lynched for his crime. Cats and Divinity Cats were connected to divinity with early mythology. Their dual natures were incorporated into their divine manifestation. As early creation stories attributes twin feline deities to Tefnut and Bastet, the daughters of Aton, Aton was a Chthonic deity who was later assimilated with the god Ra, or Re, depending on which spelling you go with. Initially, Tefnut and Bastet appeared to be the daughters of Re, and in this form they appeared as his left eye, the moon. The ancient historian Plutarch connects cats directly to the moon, possibly because of the mystical quality of cats' eyes as stated above. Cat's eyes also reflect light at night, similar to the way that the moon reflects the sun. Tefnut faded somewhat in the Egyptian pantheon, and her role fell to her more famous sisters. However, her name still appears as the goddess reputed to sit upon the forehead of Ra, and who fights on his behalf against the dark forces sent to slay the gods. Other legends have that Ra himself becomes a tomcat to fight against the dark deities that constantly try to kill the sun. Tefnut's mythology did include some rather cat-like behavior. When she grew tired of fighting for Ra, who apparently monopolized much of her time, she enacted her cat nature and left. She moved into either Ethiopia or Nubia to introduce aspects of war, chaos, and slaughter. Unhappy with this outcome, Ra sent Toth to soothe and retrieve her. Toth's job was not easy, and after several attempts to mollify her, she finally returned to her post. 
Later stories describe the human rejecting Ra. As punishment, Ta sent down the goddess Sekhmet, the lioness goddess of war, epidemics, and plagues, to the earth. In the Jungian ideal, Sekhmet is the hot breath of the desert. She is connected along with Bastet, the cat goddess, to sorcery and the healing arts. Sekhmet's priestesses were said, and priests, excuse me, were said to be rich in magic as doctors and possessed healing abilities, which derived from her power to both cure and cause illness. Like Tefnut, this goddess was difficult to appease. She did have a secondary manifestation and a softer character in Bastet. Over time, the priests encouraged the manifestation of Bastet over Sekhmet, and the cat cult grew during the 22nd dynasty under the Osakan kings. Bastet and her cats were eventually linked to the love and fertility goddess Hathor, who was said to be Sekhmet when angry and Bastet when pleasant. This echoes the sentiments of other love goddesses, such as Inanna and Venus, who maintained their natures as both warriors and lovers. Bastet was depicted as a woman with a cat's head, and her temple spread into Bubastis, a town central to the Nile Delta. Her primary sanctuary was on the island in the middle of the lake, where the priests raised sacred cats in an enclosure, and her festival was celebrated in the second month of the floods. These celebrations often filled the place with music, laughter, and dance. Pilgrims brought bronze statuettes of Nefertum, the son of Bastet and Ta, a human man with a lotus leaf on his head, as well as cat offerings and statuettes of the goddess herself. This island was also a necropolis for cats, which were imported from all parts of Egypt to be buried in the area. On this island, the cats were not mummified, but were cremated, and the remains were put into pits, which extended for over two dozen yards. Statues buried with the remains often had inscriptions requesting the goddess to give life, health, and happy existence to various individuals. The nature of this invocation accounts for the number of graves found at this location, as well as others. A second site for cat burial was near Bene Hassan, located between Cairo and Luxor. Here, a small temple existed for Pakhet, another lioness who was transformed into a cat goddess. She was associated with Hatshepsut, the woman who briefly ruled Egypt with an iron fist and who introduced new building projects into the area. In 1850, 300,000 cats were discovered buried in the site. Unlike the Bubastis grave, these dead were mummified and placed into a small bronze or wooden sarcophagus in the shape of a cat. Eyes of colored glass, obsidian, or rock crystals were often inlaid in, in the head, though some cats were simply covered with a bronze mask. Unfortunately, the importance of these cats was lost to modern man, and tons of these mummified cats were sent to Britain, ground up, and used as farm fertilizer just a few years after the discovery. Not all of the cats were ground up, and Egyptologists did study several of the remains. The mummification process was relatively simple. The internal organs were removed, and the body cavity stuffed with sand or packing material. The front paws were pulled down, and the hind legs pulled forward so that the cat appeared to be in a sitting position, and the body was then tightly bound. The mummies might have faces painted on them in black ink before being buried to allow for dehydration. From the initial mummified cats, 53 examples were studied. Of those, 44 were at or under the age of 12 months. And for the cat lovers out there, just brace yourself. This indicates that the cats were raised for sacrifice, and that in this particular business, it was not desirable to feed a care for cats beyond the level of recognized maturity. Studies showed that cats died after having their necks broken. In addition to full-grown cats, kittens and fetuses were also mummified and placed inside the stomach of the statue that represented the mother cat. 
Perhaps to rectify the mistake of prior cat mummy abuse, Egyptology classes performed a series of autopsies on animal mummies. The first mummies to be prepped for autopsy was that of a cat, but the students were too emotionally involved as cat lovers that subsequent autopsies were on fish mummies to which the students were less attached. Though Egypt was the primary cat-worshipping culture, there were other goddesses outside of this area that venerated the cat. The cults of Diana protected felines as the goddess not only could assume the feline form, but pronounced them a protected species. This certainly matches Diana's character since she was a multifaceted goddess of childbirth, nursing, healing, and goddess of moonlight. She was also identified with Hecate, the Greek goddess of darkness, witchcraft, and crones, who also served at the kingdom of the dead. She possessed a triple form as maiden huntress, matronly goddess, and ghost-ridden crone. Further north, Freya, the goddess of love and fertility in Scandinavia, rode about in a chariot drawn by two magical blue cats. As with Diana and with the Egyptian goddesses, Freya is identified as a multifaceted goddess. She is the goddess of love, fertility, and beauty. She protects young lovers and the weak. She is a healing goddess who also doles out magic to those deserving of its power. She grants love, peace, and aid to the love forlorn. Freya is admired by all of the Nordic gods, and it is through Thor that she acquires her unusual chariot animals. According to the myth, Thor was out fishing one morning. As he cast his line, he heard a screech that became a melody. Curious as to what was causing this noise, he ventured out and discovered that the cat, Bayan, sitting with two mewling kittens. In the conversation that ensued, Thor discovers that cat Bayan's mate had left him a single father. Bayan, lamenting his role, requested Thor to determine the kitten's fate. As Thor had passed Freya earlier that morning on his way out to fish, he immediately believed that she would make an appropriate feline owner. Cat Bayan, himself magical, pledged Thor to do right by the kittens before transforming into a bird and flying away. Thor obeyed his word and transported the magical kittens to Freya, where they became her joy and delight. And we are actually going to pause here for some commercial breaks and so that I can get a drink of water. We'll be right back. Now, time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Paranormal Pets is brought to you by 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. 
1-800-PET-MEDS is your best source for pet medications, vitamins, supplements, and pet supplies. Get great savings, fast service, and free shipping. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash paranormal to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more. Want to know what cats like to eat for breakfast? Mice Krispies, of course. Learn everything there is to know about cats on Catitude with your host, Tom Doc. Each week, we'll spotlight a cool cat breed, give up-to-date advice on cat health, and check out spiffy new cat products. So curl up on the couch every week for a perfectly enjoyable time on Catitude. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. PetLifeRadio.com Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host. And welcome back to Paranormal Pets. We will continue on with our travails, (laughs) traversings of cats and the supernatural. Our next section, and perhaps the last for this episode, is on cats, sympathetic magic, and witchcraft. As noted by Fiona Bowie, witchcraft does extend to the notion of the life force, which includes non-human animals. The life force can be powerful, malevolent, or out of control. Witchcraft and sorcery, as defined by the author, can mean a number of things. Bowie begins her definition of witchcraft as such. In medieval and early modern Europe, the older village practices of cursing and blessing, healing and manipulating people and objects, sometimes referred to as malefice. The cat nicely fits into this category, like Sekhmet and Bast or Bastet, the cat is a dual-natured creature, bringing both good luck and ill omens, as documented further in this section. The second definition links the more historical aspect of the witch trials well documented in history. Church reformers identified witches or sorcerers as adversaries of Christianity or agents of Satan. Felines also fit well into this category. Early witch hunting friars collected and published stories of demons in animal form, with at least one prominent story linking the devil to the manifestation of cats. Witches, consorts of the devil, eventually gained the ability to transform themselves into felines. Lastly, Bowie identifies the sense of African witchcraft and sorcery, which is closer to older European notions of malefice and the evil eye. This seems fitting to include with this paper as Africa houses Egypt, which appears to be the center of the cat magic craze. The cat continued to host a very special place in folk belief. At various times, it had been both a sign of holiness or evil, a harbinger of good tidings or horrid curses. Cats were also linked to the witch as her favorite animal familiar, though there are records that reveal dogs, ferrets, rats, and even insects could also serve in this function. And just as an aside... Apparently, if I had lived in this time period, uh, I guess I would have been considered a witch because I have 11 pet rats, uh, six of whom are rescues. And I was actually astounded to note how many stories had the devil manifesting as a mouse or a rat as I looked through some of this research. I guess that'll be another paper. 
All right. The connection with cats and magic started in ancient Egypt. As stated before, killing a cat created terrible ramifications unless certain circumstances were met. According to a Greek papyrus, if an individual wished to gain revenge against an enemy, then he was to drown a cat. A little warning here for cat lovers once again. This method was considered good for causing harm to a chariot driver in the races, for bringing dreams, for winning the love of a woman, for arousing divisions or hatred. Though the cat was killed by one individual, its death was attributed to the one upon whom the curse was laid. As the cat struggled beneath the water, the avenger was to cite this prayer. Come to me, you to whom the appearance of Helios, the cat-headed god, belongs, and see your adversaries, X and Y, and how they have maltreated you. Take vengeance on them, and accomplish such and such a task. For I appeal to you, O sacred demon, gather up your forces against your enemies, for I conjure you in your name. Rise up for me, O cat-headed god, and carry out such a thing." Once the cat had died, small pieces of papyrus were attached to the cat's body, upon which the request for vengeance was written out to the goddess Bastet. The corpse body also had to be ceremonially wrapped in papyrus decorated with special images, and then it was buried. The wronged party sprinkled water in which the cat was drowned upon the grave and continued to call upon the irate cat's soul. I conjure you, O demon, summoned to this spot, and you demon of this cat, now become a spirit, come to me today at once and execute such and such a thing for me. The magic ended with the individual shaking presumably pre-plucked cat whiskers at the sun while again reciting the killer of the cat was the hostile party upon whom its ghost had been sent for vengeance. With the use of sympathetic magic, divinity was required to avenge the cat against the one upon whom its death was blamed. Later superstitions, branching into modernity, continued the idea of dead cats creating cures. A dry cat skin held to the face was considered a cure for a toothache, while three drops of a cat's blood smeared over a wart would dissolve it. A cat's body, boiled in olive oil, was considered the appropriate dressing for a wound, and a move towards the ancestral spells, diseases could be transferred to a cat by washing a patient and throwing the water onto a cat. To rid the house of the disease, the cat had to be driven out. A second spell links the cat with its killer instinct, particularly in taking out disease-spreading rodents. The spell also originates from Egypt and is recorded in the ancient Ebers Papyrus. If a household had such problems and a cat was not available, sympathetic magic created by the feline could be utilized. Cat fat could keep away mice, and those who were so afflicted were advised to spread it everywhere. The ideas linking cats to magic, particularly the variety involved with spiritual evil, was greatly enhanced by the publication of the Malus Maleficarium, the Hammer of the Witches, in 1487. The script is attributed to Heinrich Kramer and Jacob Springer, who submitted it to the University of Cologne's Faculty of Theology. It was initially rejected and uh, by 1490 condemned, but the use of the printing press and poorly spread press from the Catholic Church made it a popular book. The Dominican friars heavily spread the witch-hunting craze between the 15th to 17th centuries, which escalated the sale of this book. During this time, the sale of the hammer was only exceeded by that of the Bible. Initially, the Catholic Church denied the use of witchcraft. The purpose of the hammer was to refute this. It was designed to teach church officials how to identify, torture, try, and convict witches. It did endorse the idea that witches were more often women than men. 
Methods of detection included examining birthmarks, psychiatric disorders, eccentricity, and having pet cats while living alone. Thousands of individuals, the majority of which were women, were executed as a result of this book during this period of the witch trials. Cats were directly addressed in the hammer with the story of witches in cat form. One described a workman who was chopping wood to burn his house. A large cat appeared and attacked him. He fended it off. A second cat appeared and attacked him, and again he tried to fend it off. Finally, three giant cats attacked him, and he was only able to drive them away with great effort and a lot of prayer. The explanation for this odd story is that the devils had assumed this form. The cats were linked up to women who magically received the blows of the workmen intended for the cats. The hammer explained that the devils took on the phantasm of a cat because they represented perfidiousness. Cats and by association women did not work well together and thus was perceived that cats attempted to drive others of their kind away from success. The cat's natural enemy, of course, was the barking dog, which was the symbol of the order of the preaching friars. As devils could transform into cats, so could witches, the diabolical lovers of demons. Thus, the feline form became that of the witch and vice versa. A later publication, A Confirmation and Discovery of Witchcraft by John Stern, 1648, reinforces the ideas of the hammer. It restates that the Bible condemns witchcraft as anyone that is a soothsayer, enchanter, conjurer, one who uses charms to tame serpents, and anyone who is a necromancer. It clearly presents the notion that a witch, which is more commonly a woman, should be put to death, and then gives examples of individuals who confess to witchcraft their crimes and the punishment. Oddly, the witches are often enticed through money or possessions, though not an overabundance of either, and the devil has and his imps appear in several entries as mice, rats, and dogs. Cats are not heavily mentioned in this journal. An identifier of a witch is the use of the familiar. The familiar is used to set charms, spells, to cure diseases by either words or washing clothes, or through the magical use of instruments utilized to give the initial injury. The witch is paralyzed with the ability to summon the devil and the familiar spirits to do her bidding. Familiars had to be tamed by a person of extraordinary power. Only a person who worked in the dark arts could bend the power of the creature to do its will. Witches and sorcerers, like cats, were associated with penetrating stairs, also likened to the evil eye. Thus, only one of like power could tame a cat and use its power. The cat and the witch are forever linked this way. Eventually, belief in the supernatural fell to the role of the superstitious. In Britain, it was considered lucky to see a black cat while a white cat may be unlucky. Meeting a black cat was fortunate, particularly if it ran across the path of the observer. It was considered a good sign if a black cat voluntarily came into a house or boarded a ship. No one was allowed to chase a black cat away or it would take its luck with it. In East Yorkshire, there is a tradition that says it is lucky to own a black cat, though it is unlucky to meet one. Of course, in the United States, Belgium, and Spain, it is bad luck to see a black cat, particularly if it crosses one's path. Other cats of colors represent the lucky traditions in some countries. The tortoiseshell cat brings luck to owners in Britain, and blue cats do the same in Russia. And because we are just about at the end of our time, I guess I will pause here, and we will continue on with our episode on cats and the supernatural on the next episode of Paranormal Pets. Please stay tuned. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, if you'd like to check out some good paranormal stories, go to www.spiritsofstpetersburg.com, where you also have access to Shadow Animals, Paranormal Pugs page, Paranormal Pocket Pets page, 
paranormal pets and uh, anything else that I can think of that's paranormal. Also, please remember to support your local rescues. They need the help in these very turbulent economic times. Please keep the Gulf Coast in your thoughts as the fallout from the oil spill continues to be felt. Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>